everyone, welcome back to Relax with Animal Facts. I am Steph Wolf, and today I am going to be learning with you about our furry, scaly, or possibly even slimy friends. And in today's case, it is definitely going to be a feathery friend of ours because we are covering the oh so wonderful Greater Roadrunner. If you would like to support the show's mission, all while getting access to extra Animal Fact episodes, intro-free episodes, and more, you can go to patreon.com slash relaxwithanimalfacts. A huge shout-out to George Vlad for the ambiance used in today's episode. His work is linked in the description, and I encourage you to go check him out. And now, let us begin to wind down a little bit. If you are a new listener, I welcome you with open arms to our animal podcast family. We are all so happy that you could join us on our adventure. And if you are returning, you know exactly what I am going to be asking of you. I have three primary exhortations for you. The first is that you put on your favorite pair of running shoes. We are certainly going to be needing those for where we are going today. And my second encouragement to you is probably the most important, and that is to realize perhaps where you are carrying some tension and to let it go. It can be very difficult to relax when our bodies are stiff as a board, and it could be that you are holding tension in places that you didn't even realize, maybe in the neck, in the legs, in the arms. In your mind, you can start from the bottom of your feet, working your way all the way to the top of the head, relaxing as you go. Here on this podcast, we like to imagine jello. Choose a flavor that you like, red, green, yellow, whatever it is, and do your best to imitate it. Jello doesn't really have tension, it just kind of wiggles around, and that's what we strive for. We become jello. And my third exhortation to you is to give your mind permission to wander and journey with me as we go into a desert in Southern California where the greater Roadrunner resides. For many of you listening, we are on your home turf, which is the United States. We could have been in a couple of different places in the United States, Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, and Arizona. These guys love deserts and grasslands and brushy environments, which all of those states provide in different areas. The term Greater Roadrunner is the common name for this creature. Their scientific name is Geococcyx californianus. These Latin-based roots translate into English as something like Californian Earth Cuckoo, and this term shows just how much we can know about a creature from its scientific name. From this, we can surmise that they are in California, that they wander upon the earth, and that they are cuckoos, and all of those things would be correct. There are two species of roadrunner, the greater roadrunner that we are covering today, 
and the lesser Roadrunner that I'm sure we will cover in a future episode. The lesser Roadrunner inhabits Mexico and Central America, so just south of where we are right now. This is an animal that I am personally very excited to learn about. I was raised with things like Tom and Jerry and the Roadrunner and Wild E. Coyote, and so it is super cool to cover the real-life version of those things. I have to say that now, as an adult looking at what the Roadrunner really looks like, the cartoons have given me not the most accurate depiction of the greater Roadrunner in my mind. And while in the show, the character, the Roadrunner, is based very, very loosely on the greater Roadrunner, the animators took a lot of creative liberties, making me imagine this creature to be something like the size of an ostrich and blue and purple, but it still stirred my curiosity for this creature, and as far as I'm concerned, that's all that matters. Actual roadrunners measure around 56 to 61 centimeters, that's about 22 to 24 inches, from tail to beak. They weigh from between 230 to 430 grams, that's about 8 to 15 ounces. Just to place that into something that we can understand, a fully inflated soccer ball is about 15 ounces. And that is how much they weigh at the most at least on average. But true to their name, they are a creature that is made to run. Their anatomy and physiology is perfectly suited for that purpose. With their lean frames, strong legs, and long tails, they are a force to be reckoned with on land. But one creative decision of the cartoon was to make the roadrunner faster than the coyote. In reality, this is not at all the case. While the Roadrunner is pretty fast, around 15 miles per hour, that's 24 kilometers, coyotes can run up to 43 miles an hour, just under 70 kilometers an hour. So in real life, coyotes are about three times as fast as the Roadrunner, factoring in those variables like bone structure, weight, anatomy, the Roadrunner is still a very fast bird. And given that they are birds, some may ask the question, well, can they fly or how do they fly? Given that the majority of their hunting is done on the ground and not in the air, they don't have much of a reason to actually get up off of the ground in the first place. They can, however, fly short distances for whatever reason. This could be to catch some elusive prey, it could be to escape a fearsome predator but they will oftentimes only be in the air for a few seconds. Their tails find a lot of use when they are on the ground as well. Like many other creatures we have seen in the past, their tails provide something more than just cosmetics. They act like little balancing mechanisms, rudders to keep them steady while they run and turn directions very quickly. Given their diet of venomous snakes, scorpions, frogs, reptiles, small mammals, and even other birds, these tail feathers come in super handy. An animal needs a ton of advantage to go after a rattlesnake like they do. The roadrunner, while it mostly prefers to hunt alone, will sometimes team up with another one in order to eat a rattlesnake. 
they will team up and dash around and peck at its head until they have their meal. The ingenuity of the roadrunner in their hunting techniques is seen even with rodents and lizards. These birds will snatch up their prey and try to crush it against a rock before they swallow it. But they are not carnivorous, they are omnivorous. About 10% of their diet is composed of seeds and fruits and plants. So a good question to ask is why is it that the diet of this bird is so heavily carnivorous? One reason could be that they get their fluids from their food. Living in the desert is not easy, but these birds are specifically designed to do so. Living in the desert can be tough, and one thing that we all need is water. And one way that the roadrunner has solved this issue is to get the majority of their fluids from their diet rather than relying on external sources of water, which, remember, in the desert is not all that easy to come by. They have impeccably designed digestive systems that are able to absorb the water efficiently. The only issue is that with any kind of carnivorous diet comes a lot of salt. The majority of organisms use salt in some sort of way to perform all kinds of functions. It is one of those crucial electrolytes that we need for muscles and proteins and all of that good stuff. But if you have ever gotten salt water in your mouth on accident, you'll know experientially that salt dries, and it dries quickly. Getting dried out in the desert is something that the roadrunner doesn't want. And in addition to having that awesome digestive system, they also have this special gland near their eye, just like the last animal we covered, the seagull. This allows them to eat that protein-rich diet without drying themselves up with extra salt. So these are desert birds through and through. For cuckoo birds, the roadrunner is pretty special. They don't really share any traits with the common cuckoo. About the only one that they do is that they are both zygodactylic. A zygodactyl bird is one that has four toes two of which are pointing forwards, and two of which are pointing backwards. So if you ever see the tracks of the roadrunner, it leaves behind little X's. Other cuckoos are also pretty slender birds with rounded wings and graduated tail feathers, just like the roadrunner. One last thing that makes these guys true desert birds is that they have a special way of dissipating heat. On their head that has that very special crest is also an unfeathered area beneath their chin. They are able to flutter this area, something called guller fluttering, and by doing so, dissipating heat like they are airing themselves out. Given that the roadrunner can take down a rattlesnake just with pecks of its beak shows just how strong and big their beaks are. They're typically of a darker color, and with a quick thrusting motion becomes a weapon. It's worth mentioning that another name for the roadrunner is the chaparral bird. There are multiple ways to pronounce this word, chaparral, chaparral, chaparral. I'm not sure which one is correct, so might as well just say them all. Like many of us, the roadrunner likes to sunbathe. 
While the desert can be an unforgivingly hot place, it can also get pretty cold during the nighttime. And on those chilly nights, roadrunners enter into a state of torpor. This is a physical and mental state that is something akin to hibernation, at least in concept. It is a state in which their body temperatures drop and allows them to conserve their energy, a mechanism that is incredibly important when you are living meal to meal or you are living in a place with pretty scarce food sources. But in the morning, in order to get back from that chilly state, they will go out and sunbathe. They will raise their feathers up in order to allow the rays of the sun to reach their skin. During particularly chilly seasons, like in certain parts of winter, they will do this multiple times a day, not just once in the morning. The male roadrunner uses a cooing sound that sounds pretty similar to a dove in order to both protect their territories and to court females. But both the female and the male will bark or growl to communicate. They have communication methods of snapping their beaks shut quickly, making clattering or little clicking sounds, and they will do this as a very soft form of echolocation, using these clicking sounds in order to tell other roadrunners where they are. After a male courts a female through an elaborate mating process, they mate for life. These birds are monogamous, just like many, many others. The male roadrunner will first chase the female on foot before then trying to woo her with food and bringing her presents like a lizard. Both the males and the females can bring gifts to each other, things like grass and sticks. Each pair of roadrunners will have two to eight eggs at a time. Most roadrunner families will raise their young together. They will take turns in getting food or in protecting the eggs. And so they are great parents. And so they are great parents that work together to bring about more little cuckoos. The only way to really tell the difference between a male and female roadrunner is to see how different they are in size. Females are slightly smaller with shorter bills on average. They have identical plumage, so it's pretty impossible to tell otherwise. And let us go to the name of the creature. What does its name mean or where does it come from? On this adventure, I would like to cover both cuckoo and roadrunner. So the word roadrunner means long-tailed, crested, desert cuckoo. And this was coined in 1847, obviously coming from an amalgamation of the two words road plus runner. The earliest iteration of such a combination comes from the Mexican-Spanish name for it, Corracamino. And it is possible that the English name is simply borrowed and translated. The cuckoo, on the other hand, was used as early as the 13th century. And it comes from an old French word and then to a Greek and Latin word. This bird seems to have been named by its call, that specific cuckoo sound that they make during mating season. That is really cool. And now for the dad joke of the episode. We cannot finish this adventure without a soul-crushing dad joke. So here it is. I just wanted to tell you guys that I finally got a job working in a cuckoo clock. 
It's kind of boring, but at least it gets me out of the house. Do people even know what a cuckoo clock is anymore? I feel it's like me making a joke about Heelys and people thinking, what is that? I'm not going to explain the joke because everyone knows that explaining a joke makes it better. For those of you that don't know what a cuckoo clock is, I will just have to leave you to the internet. Now let us move on together to the review of the episode. This review was written by Nud Kaninen, or Kaninen. Now in strict English, I would have just said Nord, but there is an umlaut on the O, and I'm doing my best to pronounce this seemingly Swedish name, because they are writing all the way from Sweden, quite a ways away from where we are today. And Nud writes... This is one of the best podcasts I have ever listened to. I really like how he has nature sounds in the background, and the facts are very interesting. He has a suiting voice, and he can tell jokes really well. Overall, the best podcast ever. Thank you very much for all of those kind words. I'm so glad that you like the podcast as much as you do and that you like the way I tell the jokes that chip away at my spirit each episode. I'm so happy to have you as a listener, and that you are a part of what makes the podcast so awesome. If the podcast helps you at all like it does for Nerd, leaving a review is one of the biggest ways that you can give back to the show. It only takes a couple of minutes, but its impact is incredibly far-reaching, and so I encourage you to do so. If you would like to request an animal for a future adventure, you can do so by going to relaxwithanimalfacts.com and clicking on the Submit and Animal Request tabs. If you would like to reach out to me, Steph Wolf, for any other reason, you can do so by sending an email to relaxwithanimalfacts at gmail.com or by sending a message to the Instagram relaxwithanimalfacts. To support this show and get more of it, you can go to patreon.com slash relaxwithanimalfacts. This episode is dedicated to Amy, Jill, Claire, and Shiana. Thank you for taking the time to request this episode. It was a fun one. A huge shout-out to George Vlad, who provided the nature sounds that we used in today's episode. His work is linked in the description, and you should check him out. The resources used in this episode came from treehugger.com, allaboutbirds.org, nwf.org, and etimonline.com. What an amazing animal we have learned about today, one that is deeply embedded in my mind with fond memories of that little roadrunner running away from Wile E. Coyote. And while the real thing is quite different from the cartoons, that sense of wonder is the same. In some ways, I think the real-life version is better than the cartoon. I mean, the real one couldn't really do much about nuclear weaponry, but in all the other stuff, it's great. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join me on this adventure, and I so look forward to our next one together with the next animal. Take care.